Good morning, everybody. It's Jeff Goldberg for the Sales Pro Network. I am Jeff Goldberg, your host. I am a sales coach and trainer, and I work with both individuals and organizations internationally to help them achieve measurable and sustainable sales increases. And I founded the Sales Pro Network. I think it's all, I can't remember whether it's two or three years ago now. It, time flies when you're having fun. But I did that to elevate the profession of sales, to give salespeople a place where they can hang out, network, learn from each other, and to learn from the fabulous coaches and trainers that are members. And as you know, every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, we do either a live training or a live interview with somebody who can add value to the profession of sales, and today is no exception. If you are watching us live, please say hello in the comments. If you are watching us live on Facebook and you have not connected your account to StreamYard, it's just gonna say Facebook user, so please include your name. If you have any questions for our guest today, please put those in the comments too, and I'll certainly pass them along. And I think I'm leaving something out. What is it? Oh, if you're watching us on the replay, be sure to put replay in the comments. And good morning, Ben Gibbs, one of my favorite salespeople in the world. Always good to see you, my friend. And with that, let me introduce you to my friend, Dean Mercado, the founder of Online Marketing Muscle and the author of the number one bestseller, The Mind Stretch. Good morning, Dean. Good morning, Jeff. How awesome to be with you, man. Great to see you, my friend. It is a beautiful thing. Uh, we haven't seen each other in person for a long time, although we yes. used to get together quite often. COVID kind of changed everything, but uh, I'm glad to be speaking with you today because you are an expert in so many uh, so many of the topics that salespeople find important. Uh, before we get to the million questions that I have for you, could you just give us a little bit of your background and tell you tell the people who you are and how you got to be uh, where you are now? Sure. Um, started out in corporate America. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. Let me preface by saying that, but started out my professional career in corporate America, made a lot of companies, a lot of money. Um, and then I came out of corporate America saying, well, if I just made a little bit for myself, I'm doing all this great stuff. Came out of corporate America, got my rear end kicked all over the place because I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. Um, worked my way through it, fought, clawed, screamed the whole way through it, got some help, got some coaching. Uh, 20 something years later, here I am. Right. Online marketing muscle has been going strong for about 18 of those. So, uh, yeah, I'm grateful. It's been a long haul, but a wonderful one. That's terrific. Uh, and uh, my uh, my elderly brain now can't remember whether I said you're the author of The Mindset or The Mind Stretch. It's The Mind Stretch. Mind Stretch. Uh, and it's a great book. I, I, Dean was kind enough to give me a copy years ago when he first wrote it. It's fantastic. Good morning, Yoel Landau, another one of my favorite salespeople. Good to see you, my friend. So, Dean, um, can you speak a little bit about the convergence of marketing and sales? Uh, you know, this group is for salespeople, but marketing and sales are, are so tightly related. Sure. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you and I could talk ad nauseum probably for a week on this topic. My first point that I would make is stop. Everybody stop. Stop thinking that there is a line delineating between sales and marketing because they have converged. And when we get clear and when we get okay with that, uh, a lot better things happen. It's not over the fence we got marketing and over this side of the fence we have sales. Marketing does no value if there's no sales to finish the job. It's like one tees it up and the other one finishes it, right? So they kind of have to be like this. They kind of have to work like this. And with a lot of the current systems that exist today and technology, what technology's done is really brought those two together where you can't really tell where one starts and one finishes and the other starts and the other finishes. So the days of of being able to look and blame the other side for not doing their part. Those are over. Salespeople today are, are expected to prospect, right? And what's prospecting really other than some way of marketing, right? You're expected, you don't prospect, you don't sell, period. End the story, game over. 
You don't sell, business is done. Sales are the lifeblood of any company, period. My, my take on it. So the marketer who thinks that they're above it, and I'll just market, but I don't have to get and talk to, no, it's not going to work. You're going to have to at some point have a conversation with somebody. You're going to have to at some point present the solution to somebody's challenge or their problem. So those days are coming a lot together. We've got out there right now, though, what we've seen over the last decade is a lot of lazy marketers thinking they know how to sell and a lot of salespeople thinking they know how to market and thinking that they can get away with just building half of their brain and not the other half or building half of the skill set required and not building the other half. And that's very unfortunate because that's where the breakdowns come down. That's why some people do phenomenal with sales and some people just don't. And no matter what, it doesn't work, right? So we've seen them come together. Playing in the, in the internet space over the last 20 years, I've really seen it come together, where I've really seen the marketer get out there and try and promote, whether it's they've got some sort of funnel now, we don't know whether, are we calling them marketing funnels, sales funnels, what are we? That's because we're converging. It's coming together mm. and realizing that you not only have to tee it up, but you have to finish it. You have to smack it off the tee, right? Yeah. And know what you're doing when you do both sides of that fence. Very important. Does that kind of start going towards? Yeah, ab absolutely. That, uh, you, you know, you, you know, and uh, some of the audience knows that I, uh, you know, I work with individuals. I also work with small companies and some very large companies. And my experience, especially in the larger companies, is quite often you've got a marketing department on one side that right. says sales sucks. They can't. We right. bring in these great leads and they can't close them. And sales is going, marketing sucks. They bring us crappy leads. Right. And they're really blaming each other when really what they need to be doing is working together. I mean, in my uh, opinion, it's marketing's job to bring in the leads and it's sales' job to close the leads. So they really are two sides of right. the same hand. Exactly. And it's very unfortunate that there are some companies sticking to that old mantra, that old way of being. That just all it's doing is creating that between the two groups yeah, and making it think, giving you an, an opportunity to blame someone else for your inadequacies or for inadequacies or for your underperformance or lack of achievement. At the end of the day, what does the company need? The company needs sales, right? We call it sales, right? But to do sales, you need so many other things that have to happen in order for a sale to happen. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And everybody in the company has got to align behind whoever you're putting out in front of the client or the prospect. Everyone's got to align behind that to give that that point person the opportunity to do what's right by the company. I, I love right. that word. Let, let's make that the word of the day. Alignment. And by the way, good morning, That's Don good. Levine, uh, our executive recruiter from Sharp Search. And I do have to take a moment to thank Don. Uh, many of you who've been listening to this broadcast uh, for a while know that besides doing sales training and coaching, I'm also a stand-up comedian. Thank you, Don, for showing up the other day. He came to one of my shows. It was greatly appreciated. Cool. And as a matter of fact, I'm right now working. I don't know if I've said this to the, uh, to the audience, but I'm working on a set uh, of comedy all about selling. And I plan to be offering that to large companies and just come in and do sales comedy. Uh, let's get back to you though. Um, one of the things that I help my clients do is uh, develop what I call an ideal client profile. And you help your clients create marketing that attracts their ideal target market. Are we talking about the same thing here? And how do we define ideal target market? Well, if we're not talking about the same thing, Jeff, we should be. <laughs> I mean, right? Uh, they really are one and the same. I've heard, I've heard it 
I've heard so many different phrases coined around this topic, whether it's an ideal avatar, a perfect client, a, a target market, a target, whatever your bottom line is, who do you need to be in front of? Who do you need to connect with and why? What is it that you're going to solve for them? So, I mean, for us, we, we, we look at like six main points when we're defining. And one of those points are when you're picking a, a perfect target market or an ideal avatar, you have to know whether or not is that audience is that perfect target market hungry for what you do? Are they hungry for what you do? Because if you have to spend all day long trying to educate and educate and educate and educate, and they have no idea why they need what you do or how what you do could solve any problem of it, your, your sales process is going to be very, very long, very long, right? So if you find an audience that's already hungry for what you do, fantastic. You're already, you're already ahead of the game. If you look at um, a target market that, let's say, already – has the money to spend with you. If you, it doesn't, if you find an audience that while they might seem perfect, if they just don't have the money, they don't have the money. It's probably not an ideal target market. So they not only have to be hungry, but they have to have the money to spend with you. Very important. They have to be also easily reachable. If you have no way in the world of getting in front of them, good luck. I mean, then they're not a good target market for you. If you can't get in front of them, you don't have, whether it's you don't have the money to spend to get in front of them, whether you don't have the resources available to you to uh, make all the phone calls, whatever it is, whatever excuse we can make in the book. If they're not easily reachable, you know, and today's day and age, everybody's somewhat easily reachable. They have social media. If you can't find a way to get through these days, um, you should be calling Jeff and having a conversation and talking about what makes sense, how, what you can adjust in your process there. I would also say that another or the fourth piece of this is there's got to be enough of them. If there's only three people in the world who exist, who want what you do, are hungry for what you do, have the money to spend with you or are easily reachable, it's probably not enough of them to you to have a sustainable business practice. So there's got to be enough of that target for you to be able to go after. Critically, critically important. I would also say that on the softer side of things, you've got to like them. If you don't like them, you're not going to enjoy spending time with them. If you don't enjoy spending time with them, you're certainly not going to call them. You're not going to step up to the plate when you need to step up to the plate. You're going to find yourself procrastinating like it's going out of style. You'll do anything instead of making the phone call, sending the email, connecting with them on whatever, right? So if you don't like them, recognize you don't like them and rethink about what you're doing and find an audience that you do like, you know? And that may be a little bit more difficult than it sounds, but it's not really. Maybe you're working for the wrong company. Maybe your own company's targeting the wrong people. So it depends on what your situation is. And you really need to think about that because you're not gonna be able to fulfill your commitments if you're a sales rep in my opinion if you hate the people they're telling you to go after if you just completely just like this with them all the time you don't enjoy them you're you know you're water to their oil probably not a good thing you need yeah. to rethink what you're doing why you're doing it i would also say i take that one step further for that sixth point which is your core values your core values should align somewhat with theirs if they don't and the things that matter to you and not the things that matter to them and vice versa, again, you're going to have a hard time connecting. So the best of us salespeople tend to be the ones who know how to create the best relationships, who really love serving the people that they work with 
and get the opportunity to serve. And they look at it like this is the best job I could possibly have. I get to hang out with people I enjoy. I get to, to provide them with something that I think is wonderful, something I love, and I get to give that to them. How freaking awesome is that? You know, and that's really what it comes down to. So it's, and I say this to all the folks listening, whether you work for somebody as a sales rep or whether you're an entrepreneur, if you're an entrepreneur and you think you're not a salesperson, you need to talk to us real quick because you need to get that clear. We're all in sales, whether you like it or you don't like it. We're all in sales. And as soon as you get past whatever your issues are with that, things get easier. I promise you, they get a lot easier, you know, once you get out of your own way. Yeah, so, well, <laughs> right? Am I right? I mean, preach it to the well, choir with you. I mean, if you're if you're an entrepreneur and you're not selling, what what are you doing? Yeah, you how, doing? how are you delivering services to if people if you haven't sold somebody? So, I I think we are in perfect alignment here. There, there's that that magic word of the day. Uh, you know, without I'm not a fan. There there's a time for a shotgun approach, but not usually. Right. I'd right. rather that salespeople are going after the best possible client for them, the right. best possible, tar what you're calling right. the target market and for me, an ideal client. <clears throat> and if you haven't defined it, how are you going to know them when they show up? So oh. I, I, I think it's crucial. And good morning to somebody who's saying good morning, uh, Jeff and Dean, whoever you are, you're, you're a Facebook user to us, but uh, we're glad that you're here. Um, Dean, in, in sales, uh, I always tell people we have to be patiently impatient. Uh, we do have to give people time to come to the right decision, which is hopefully to choose to do business with us but it's unrealistic to expect people to make an instantaneous decision in most circumstances. Um, you have a concept in, in your book, The Mind Stretch, uh, and it's palm tree tenacity. I really like that. Can, oh, you, yeah. can you explain what that concept is, palm tree tenacity? Absolutely. So it's about having the wherewithal and the ability to bend without breaking. We can't be so brittle that if everything doesn't happen in this way, that, oh, no good. I can't do it. It's not me. I can't, I can't work in these conditions, right? I'm sorry. When you're in business, you're in business. You have to be able to adapt. You have to be flexible enough because there will be turbulence. There will always be turbulence. What just happened the last couple of years? We had a heck of a lot of turbulence. Those of us that were able to bend without breaking are those of us still standing today. Luckily for Jeff and I, we're two of them. We're two perfect examples of that. So, that ability to bend without breaking, that ability to be unstoppable despite what comes down the path at you. There's always gonna be something trying to derail you, take you off course, always get over it, get used to it. Don't let it stop you. So palm tree tenacity is about bending, being unstoppable, about being willing to take on those things and understanding that every single breakdown leads to a breakthrough. Right. In sales, we would say every no brings you one step closer to a yes. Right. That's been uh, something that we've probably said for the last 20, 30 years. And very true. You have to be willing to take that no and say, not do this and cower down and say, I'm never going to sell anything again. I'm never going to. If you do that, you're done. Business is done with you. Your prospects are done with you. It's not going to happen. So it's understanding that we have to be able to take a hit, take another hit. And you know what? Life is going to be that way. It's going to keep coming at us. And when, when we show weaknesses, it comes right at us again. And it'll go right after that weakness one more time. So just like a palm tree that bends in a storm but doesn't snap, that's us. That's mm -hmm. palm tree tenacity. 
Embrace the change. Embrace it. it. Is it also, Dean, because uh, I, I think what I'm hearing is, you know, the reason the palm tree, and by the way, I think our beaches here on Long Island are some of the most beautiful in the world, but I do wish that we had palm trees because I yes. love I, I love palm trees. But, you know, you go to the Caribbean, you go to Florida, you go to California, right. it's that the, they are able to bend in high winds and still not fall because they put correct. down deep roots. That's and correct. are we talking about that in sales and in marketing, we need to build a solid foundation of skills and experience that allow us to bend with the times. Is, is that part of it too? Spot on. It's exactly part of it. And it's just, just like what everybody who's taken the opportunity to be here listening to this now or listening to the replay, you're building roots. You're deepening your knowledge. You're deepening your understanding of things, right? The more we're willing to seek our, sink our teeth into something, right? Don't just, don't just be a salesperson. Be a student of sales, right? Learn from everybody. And I'm going to use you as an example, Jeff. You could, you know a lot of a lot on sales. I've talked to you for years. I know you know your stuff. And how do I know? Because I'm an entrepreneur. I do some of the things you teach and preach, and it works, right? It's that simple. So, but yet you have Jeff here asking questions. You have Jeff here interviewing other very intelligent smart sales reps and sales gurus out there, right? Because when you get past your own ego and realize that we can all learn something from someone else, that's when things start to happen for you. That's your willingness to sink your, your teeth in, to build and, and dig and have deeper roots. It strengthens you, yep. right? Not only yeah. your character, but your ability. Absolutely. Right? And, and that's the reason why, uh, whoops, over the shoulder, uh, you know, why that library is filled with sales books and I continue to buy sales books as they come out and right. read them because I don't know everything and you never know who's going to come up with the next important thing or have a different spin on something. And, you know, uh, I, I know one of your concepts in the book is also if you're not growing, you're dying. Yes. And, you know, uh, even though I've been doing this for now 48 years, you, you got to stay fresh. You got to right. stay current. And, and, and right. things have certainly changed. The internet absolutely changed everything. Game, uh, game it, it, it leveled right. the playing field in so many ways. And if, if our skills in both marketing and sales aren't top notch, we're pretty much screwed. You are saying it, brother. Right on. And, oh, it's Valerie H. who said, good morning, Jeff. Indeed, she says she loves this conversation. Every day I refer first and didn't do things for myself. Uh, if you don't know Valerie, she is a giver extraordinaire and an expert networker. Just refer to QuickBooks Expert and Payroll Company, which is why I'm tuning in a bit late. <laughs> hugs, and, hugs and kisses to you too, Val. Um, one of the things, you know, I, I love your blog post and your book. Um, one of the things you talk about is having clarity of vision. Yes. How do we clarify our vision? Because so many people seem to be muddling through day after day. We just keep doing the same things. How do we clarify our vision? Right. First and foremost, everybody needs a vision. I don't care if you're an employee at a company or you're an entrepreneur or you're a business owner of 12 different businesses. You got to have a vision. Where are you, a vision? Where are you going? Why are you going there? What do you want by when? How are you going to conduct yourself throughout this process? So when I define a vision, one of the things that I do, and I do this with a lot of companies I work with, I'll step in and I'll help them get clear. Because what happens is they're saying, well, we want this, right? That we want this, but their foundation is so shoddy and so shaky. Your vision is like the foundation of your business. It's the foundation of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And until you're crystal clear on what that is, it's very hard to keep building layers and layers and layers and new floors on the building when your foundation is crap. 
It's really that simple. So when I look at a vision, I break it into three pieces, right? The first piece is your purpose or your why. Why are you doing this? Why are you selling this product? Why are you selling this service? Why, why are you as a business um, doing this or solving this issue for this target market? Why? Because until you're clear on your why, you're not going to do it well. You're not going to be driven to get out there and make one more phone call, send one more email. When your why is strong, you become unstoppable because you know it's like me saying, I've got a stack of gold. And as I know there's people out there who would like to have some of that gold, but no, I'm going to be stingy and I'm just going to hold on to it. I'll keep it for myself, right? But if I have a why and my why is strong that I want to help my target market win, if I'm all about energizing small business success, which is my purpose in my business, that's my purpose. Those four words, energizing small business success, right? So then that drives me to help distribute that gold. If I don't have a why and I'm not clear on why I'm doing this thing, why am I running? I run two different businesses. Why am I running them? What am I? I could be doing plenty of other things. I have a lot of things that I enjoy. Why would I put myself through the burden of running two different businesses if I wasn't sure of why I'm doing it and I wasn't in love with why I'm doing it, if it didn't matter to me? So your purpose being the first part of that or your why, and then you take it down a notch and you say, well, then there's a mission. And I look at your mission as what do you want by when? So your mission is your what by when? What do I want to have happen by when? And usually I draw it like, almost like a, a tree or a mountain, like climbing a mountain and year zero or day zero, I'm here. And then year at the end of year one, I'm here. And then year three, I'm here. And year five, I'm here. And year seven, I'm here. It's like trudging up a mountain on a mission till I get to that top peak of what I'm trying to get to, right? So that's my what by when. And I know exactly where I'm going to be and where I expect myself to be and why. I expect myself to be there. Again, if my purpose isn't there, I'm certainly not going to do those things that I'm saying I want. So if you find yourself not meeting your goals, you find yourself not meeting your mission, you're probably not clear on your why. I hate to be the one to tell you that your purpose hasn't been established. And, and worse yet, you think you established it, but you're not buying it. You really don't believe it. You told yourself, oh, I wrote my purpose down 20 years ago. But you know what? Are you living by it every day? Are you, are you operating from that space? Because if you're not, it's the wrong purpose. And mm. you might need to check that. And you should be checking it often. And then that third part of your vision or your, your vision is what I call your core values. I'm huge on core values. Everybody should know what your operating system inside is like. So a business has core values. I also have core values as a personal, as a person. My core values personally are to love, to create, and to learn in that order. Everything I do is about love, creating, and learning, period, everything. And if it doesn't fit that, I don't do it, right? And, my, and each of my companies have their own set of core values. They're not identical to mine. They're based, though, they're congruent with mine, yes. But my company is not me, and I am not my company. We are two different entities. So, you know, online marketing muscle has its own core value set, you know, and if I could show they're all hanging on the wall, they hang around, they're all over the place around me. They're on my website. They hang on my wall. They're everywhere 
where everybody could see them. Because that's the, the core values are basically the beginnings of your how. How are you going to conduct yourself? How are you going to go about carrying yourself through getting from where it is you are to where, you are, where you're saying you want to be? Your how is what propels you. So if I'm saying, personally, I come from a space of love, creation, and learning, if I'm doing something that's not about love and it's about hate, it's completely incongruent to who I am, it's not going to work. Hmm. I, won't, I won't accomplish what it is I'm saying I want. So it's very important for me to understand what my modus operandi is, how I'm going to conduct myself, and what I'm okay with and what I'm not okay with. Because what you find is so many of us allow other people's core values to be forced on us, infringing on our rights, on our privacy, on our this, on our that, on our way of being. And we're wondering why it doesn't feel good. Right? Hmm. Again, business is simple, but it's not easy. And yeah. everybody needs to get that conversation. And this is an example of it. Yeah, it's simple to create core values, but it's not easy to live them. It's not easy to operate from them. It's not easy to get your entire team in sync and all operating from the same set of core values. It's not easy to hire and fire based on those. But I'll tell you, if you're not, we should talk hmm. because you should be, right? Yeah, I, I like the picture that you painted of the mountain, you know, because, you know, where are you going to be in a year? Where are you going to be in five years? Because if you don't know where you're going, how the heck are you going to get there? It, it, it just doesn't make sense. And uh, bingo. Somebody, this might be Valerie, says incongruent only works if you're in politics and then it seems to work really, really well. Right, right. <laughs> hey, Spot uh, on, Valerie. Something else from your book. Uh, what, is the, what is the power of seven? Oh, okay. So we got um, kind of tired of hearing everybody using excuses all the time. I can't do that. I can't manifest that. I can't create that. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. So it's okay. Well, here's a very simple system for you. Here's a very simple system to help stimulate growth. And that's what it is. It's, it's, it's an acronym, basically, right? That gives people a simple little five-step process to walk through it. So I usually would tell somebody, whatever it is you want, let's take 15 minutes. And I want you to just sit, close out all the distractions, shut everything down, shut the phone, shut the computer, go in a closed, dark place, almost like meditating, Right. And that first piece, that S stands for, you know, stretching your mind a little bit, allowing just to stretch in your brain a little bit, clear out, stretch, right? Stretch, think, start thinking anything's possible. What if you were a kid again and you had that mentality that you were unstoppable and nothing could stop you from achieving whatever it is you wanted, that you had plenty of money, you had plenty of time, you had plenty of everything you need, no excuses. That's what the first piece of that is about. Just let it be for a minute that it's okay, right? And then that second piece was about, okay, now that you're clear and you realize you're unstoppable, let's establish some objective. What do you want? Why do you want that? What are you doing it for, right? What's the objective here? What are we trying to accomplish? So establishing an objective in your mind, and this could all, again, be done in 15 minutes for whatever it is you're working on, right? And we take on the V, and the V is about, now I want you to keep those eyes closed. Now visualize yourself having it. Visualize yourself there. Visualize yourself being there, right? And I know there's been so many studies on this, on the power of visualization. Don't poo-poo it, people. Don't just say, oh, yeah, well, that's all frou-frou 
Really? You know, some things in this world I can't explain. It doesn't mean they don't happen or they're not real. Right? So allow yourself to just visualize yourself accomplishing it, being wherever it is you said you wanted to be. What does life look like? What does it smell like? What does it feel like? Right? Tap into your five, six senses, I'd say, because your gut, your intuition should be involved in that also. Right? So allow that to happen. And then what I want you to do is I want you to then empower manifestation. That's the next E. Go after it. Empower. Empower. Give yourself permission to allow it to happen. That it's going to happen in your world. You're allowing it. That you're not going to stop yourself. You're not going to stand in your way. Empower it. Right? And then we finish this off with, okay, now we need to nurture growth. And that last piece is what takes you out of that 15-minute quiet thought process and into action. Now you've got to nurture the growth. What are you going to do about it? Right? And we have processes that deepen that even further, where the mind stretch talks about a 90-day sprint. Right? And this is the next evolution of the mind stretch beyond the book. Remember, the book is 10, 12 years old now. It's as relevant today as it ever was. But I've evolved a little bit since then, as you have as well. We all have. Right? So, so have the way that I approach things and the way we do things. So we operate a lot in 90-day sprints now. So now it's like, okay, now that we're nurturing growth, let's take that through a 90-day sprint process where we plan, we act, and then we reflect. We plan, we act, reflect. Plan, act, reflect. And it's a simple little, you know, three-step process that we go over and over and over again until we actually manifest. We fully realize the manifestation we wanted to create. So I know it's deep, but it's really not that complicated. It's about allowing yourself. Get out of your own way. Allowing yourself. And this power of seven was a simple little system to just stop people from making excuses and saying, I don't know how I can't. I just, really? You know, really? It really is that simple. You could create, manifest anything you want. You know, but you've got to be willing to do the work. If you're not willing to do the work, it isn't going to happen. You know, as smart of a sales guru as Jeff is, Jeff can't do it for you. At some point, he could give you the best advice on the planet. If you do not take his advice, that's not his fault. That's not the fault of whatever he shared with you either. You need to act on it. You need to take that advice and figure out, am I willing to do this? Should I try this on or shouldn't I? And don't fool yourself. Either you're going to or you're not. If you're not going to, just get it out of the way and say, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Okay, well, then don't complain to Jeff when you're not getting the result you want. Yeah, that, that's that's the one thing that they left out of the boat, the movies and the books about the law of attraction. Yeah, you have to feel the right feelings and yeah, you have to think the right thoughts, but you also have to take action. And I particularly like the V. <clears throat> Visualization is something I go over with my coaching and training clients. And, you know, sometimes you do see people getting slightly uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. This is too woo-woo. This is too metaphysical, except you're absolutely right. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely. been proven that what you visualize tends to be more likely to be attracted into your life, whether it's a sale or, or anything else. So I'm very big on that stuff. In fact, I visualize every sales call before it happens. Before I get on a call, a Zoom call, go into somebody's office, talk on, on the phone, I close my eyes and actually see it happening successfully. And no kidding, uh, people usually laugh at this, but in my visualization, I see the meeting ending with them opening a drawer in their desk, pulling out a huge stack of hundreds and pushing it across the table to me. What you see happening in your mind tends to have a greater, much greater likelihood of actually ha- happening. 
Uh, and you're, uh, some things are fairly inexplicable, but this has been proven over and over and over. I want to switch topics, though. Sure. Um, salespeople, that's who I deal with, salespeople and sales leaders, uh, they tend to not like change. Uh, they don't like a change in their commission plan. They don't like a change in their CRM system. But you suggest that we need to embrace change. Why is that so important? Oh, that's a, I love that topic. And I love this, that part of uh, going down that rabbit hole. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would say for all of you who are afraid of change and who uh, will fight it tooth and nail, one of the best things that we see is history re- repeats itself. Old, what was once old becomes new again. And there are certain principles that you can bank on no matter what. So if you're one of those stalwarts who just can't move and they don't want to change anything, understand there's certain things that will never change. For example, relationships. Everything in this world is based on relationships. Your relationship to people, your relationship to technology, your relationship to everything around you. So keep that in mind that we're not looking for you to embrace change. We're not changing your whole world on you. Certain things will never change, right? How you go at them and how you approach them will. For example, I'll use a phrase often, innovate or die. If you're not innovating as a sales rep now, if you're not innovating as an entrepreneur these days, you're missing out on a tremendous amount of opportunity because the tools that exist today, the, um, the avenues that are available to you today, the information that's available to you today is so far superior to what we had available to us 20 years ago, all right? I'm sure if, if any of you sat Jeff down and bought him a cup of coffee or tea and, and said, Jeff, explain to me what sales was like 25 years ago versus sales today, there's going to be a lot of congruency, but there's going to be some pieces that how he goes about certain things are different because technology has changed those things, right? And now he doesn't have to maybe rely on his brain so much He doesn't have to keep everything so stacked in here. Now we have things like CRMs that will allow us. Yes, we have the smartphones so that we have tools around us that change the game. So if you're not innovating, you're dying. And for those of us who say we don't like change, you have a smartphone, right? If you were in sales more than 10 years, you're okay with change because now you can't operate in sales without your smartphone. You know, you'd have a very difficult time. You can't. Don't get me wrong. You can't. You know, those of us who are really skilled at it, I'm sure Jeff can, um, but many, especially the newer ones coming up who grew up with smartphones being available, try doing it without it. It's like going in and doing doing something in the dark, right? If you've never walked into that room before, in the dark before, you might have a hard time bumping into stuff, right? But if you're comfortable walking around in the dark in a specific room, not an issue. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Allow yourself to innovate. Look for opportunities to innovate. There are lots of tools, techniques. There's lots of opportunity for you to innovate and embrace the change that's coming. Because if you're not, if you're not willing to embrace the change, you will be left behind. Mm. Because there's always somebody who can who could play better, faster, cheaper than you can. Always. I'm watching entrepreneurs come up the pipeline now. I'm in my mid-50s now. And I'm watching entrepreneurs coming up in their mid-20s and they can run circles around us already because they have technology. They grew up with it. To them, it's easy. It's like second nature. It's like they have, uh, you know, an extension on their brain that it took us 20 years to to try and adapt to this, (laughs) right? For those of us who are a little older, we're still adapting. For them, 
they embrace it like this. I'll go to my I'll go to my kids and ask them things now. Absolutely. Now, I've owned lots of technology companies throughout my lifetime. I've worked in, in corporate America. I was in technology for a dozen years before I broke out as an so I know technology, and I'm still asking my kids, who are teenagers. You know, Dean, I'm, I'm, laugh, I'm laughing because uh, uh, I always say I'm more technological than the average human being. I know just right. enough to get myself in trouble, but I have three kids. They're 20 and 21. That's my IT department. Uh, right. I mean, it's you insane, know, right? I, I can send my daughter anything. Can you put my head on, on Zach Efron's body at, at the beach? And, you know, five <laughs> minutes later, she's got it happening. I'm like, how the heck did you do that? Because they, they grew up with it. You know, yes. absolutely. And, I, 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 yes. I was going to say, and that what he just said there, they grew up with it. Understand that if you're not willing to embrace change, these folks will run right past you. Yeah. Right. Talk yeah. about being obsolete by the time we're 50. You know, that's always been a challenge for a lot of people, unless you're willing to embrace change, you're willing to innovate, right? If you're not willing to innovate, you can be victim of that, you know, old adage, you know, I'm grow, not willing grow to or die, right? Grow or die. That's right. Grow or yep. die. But let's talk about list building. Um, email marketing is, is should certainly be a part of every salesperson's yep. uh, prospecting plan. And it can be a highly effective method for reaching lots and lots of people. But if you don't have a list or if your list isn't quality, a quality list, it's useless at best, maybe even not, maybe even worse. What's your advice for building a quality list that you can then market to? Right. I think let's preface that by saying, yes, Jeff is spot on there. Everybody needs a list. I don't care what your role is. If you're a salesperson and you don't have a list, good luck selling, right? Build your list. If you don't, if you're an entrepreneur or a small business or a business and you don't have a list of hot prospects, a list of raving fans, a list of, uh, of contacts at every level, right? This is the importance of everybody, every business should have a CRM. I'm even a fan. If your company doesn't have a CRM and you work for a company that doesn't have one, get your own. You know, shame on that company for not having one, but get your constant, own. constantly stunned by by when I walk into a company and a, what what CRM you're using? Oh, we're using Excel spreadsheets. I'm like, really, really? Exactly. I mean, you, you know, it used to be that you know CRM was very expensive, and there are still still some that are incredibly expensive, but right. they're also mostly unnecessary unless you're like a right. huge enterprise. You know, for most of us, uh, especially a small to medium sized business, something like HubSpot or, or PipeDrive or any of those. Uh, yeah. Zoho, which I like very much. You know, not everybody needs Salesforce. If you don't have a CRM, I'm, I'm with you a million percent, Dean. If your company doesn't buy it for you, buy it yourself. It, it's not that expensive and it can be a life changer. Absolutely. And it is a life changer. I, you know, in full disclosure, I partner with a company called Keep, who has a CRM and all in one kind of Swiss Army knife tool like that. And that's spelled um, K E A P, right? K E A P, yes. And I partnered with them because I, I felt that they best got it. They hit it the most square on the head for what small business needs. Um, and they got the right price points. So, but anyway, regardless, if you're not building a list, you're making life very difficult for yourself, right? You've got to have, you got to have the ability and understand that business is all about people, right? It's all about people. Can we all agree on that? It's about people. If, if you're not finding ways to connect and add value to people, you're going to be very quickly out of business. Today's day and age, look at what's going on on the internet. Look at the look at me, look at me generations that are coming up now. Look at what's happening where everybody wants to be the guy, 
or the gal or the person in the spotlight. Everybody wants to be, you know, the authority. Everybody wants to be, wants to be, look at me, right? And that's the, that's what the, this video generation, this TikTok generation is doing to people right now, where you're getting a lot of that craziness happening, right? That craziness means nothing, though, if they don't have an audience that's tuning in. Part of our role, no matter what it is in any company we work for or with, is developing a following, developing a list of contacts, people we can count on when we need to count on, right? Team is never meant to be, business is never meant to be a one-man sport. It's meant to be a team sport. Who's on your team? You know, CRM is a tool you'll use, yes, but ultimately, it's your contacts. How do you get referrals? Right? How are you going to get a referral from somebody you haven't seen in 20 years? What have you done to nurture that relationship over those years? So this is what we talk about when we talk about list building. A list of people that don't know you, don't know of you, don't want anything to do with you, that's not a list. I'd much rather have a list of 10 people that will do anything I ask of them because they know, love, and trust me than a list of 10,000 who don't really know me, don't know me, can't stand me, you know, um, whatever it is. So build a list, but build a great list. And you should always be list building. You should be adding people to your list every day, every week. Who can you add to your list? And you don't just add people to your list and start emailing them, right? That's technically illegal, folks. Um, you shouldn't be doing that. Yes, you can cold email, right? But you shouldn't be harassing people by sending emails to them every day or every other day out of your CRM, these blanket emails that have nothing to do with them or are not things they asked for. They didn't ask to be marketed to. So yes, you got to get people to opt in, but your list building is so important. Your list is an asset. I want you to think about it that way. Your list is an asset. It makes the business worth more money, right? So yeah. if the business needs to sell, that business is worth more if it has a database of 10,000 contacts that are very responsive. That when that company sends an email out, you know, a certain percentage, a large percentage of those people open the emails, respond to the emails, take the action that's being asked of them in those emails. Your list is not only for emailing now. Whatever it is, you want to run an event, you want to do a mass demo and you're going to do a live demo and you're going to get a room full of people, you're going to rent, rent the space, great. You need a list to pull from to do that and do that effectively. So think of your list as your lifeblood. It's part of this sales process, hmm. right? The better your list, the easier sales are going to become. Uh, now, Dean, Dean you, you also just said you know, something a, a moment ago about you know opening your email. And I think we all know, or at least we should, that the subject line is key. If you don't have a great subject line, people aren't going to read your email. And you can have the best list and you can be sending out emails at the right timing, but if they don't open them, you've wasted your time and theirs. So what works and what doesn't work in terms of getting people to open your email? Sure. I mean, you're spot on when you're talking about the subject line. Everybody should think of that subject line as the most important part of the email. For me, many times I spend as much time on the subject line as I do on the email itself, right? I look to personalize those subject lines. I, I look to make sure that the subject line makes somebody feel something. It brings out an emotion. 
whether that's excitement, whether that's anger, whether that's passion in any way. Passion is good. Get people to think, get them to say, oh, I want to know. What, what is he talking about? I need to know that. It needs it, intrigue. Get me to get me to want to pop open and see what, what is this guy talking about? Right? And if you could add personalization to that, in which with tools that exist today, like some of the ones we mentioned today, you could easily do that. So if I write a subject line and I include Jeff's name in that subject line, it makes it seem more personal, like I'm speaking to Jeff. Right? And stay away from the typical telltale signs of, of spammy, salesy subject lines. Watch punctuation. When you start including three exclamation points and five question marks and punctuation is a flag to a lot of spam tools out there that this is a spam email. It's also a, a conscious or subconscious or unconscious flag to people too that, oh, this is a sales email. Right. And it's okay to send out sales emails though. But I would tell you, look at simple rules of thumb, like the 80, 20 rule, 80% of the time, add value. Don't hard sell them 20% of the time. Yeah, go ahead. You could sell something offer them something that solves the problem. So if two out of every 10, right, you're, you're asking for something. Okay. I like one out of one and then nine the other way. That's me personally. Mm. But you use whatever, whatever works and resonates with your audience, right? If you're selling 10 out of 10, you're going to see how fast you're going to get unsubscribes. People not opening your stuff. You remember sales will sales. If it's done right, it has a very positive effect on the people that you're doing it with. But if you do it wrong, it has a really negative effect. It could counteract years of relationship building. If you just go at it the wrong way and you start hard selling and you come across with that stench that, you know, I need to sell something, you know, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I, I got to eat. Right. So if you have that stench and you probably have a phrase or a term for her, Jeff and commission breath, Right. So if you have commission breath, good luck. Just don't breathe my direction. Mm. Right. So you should always be focused on how do you add value? Right. So eight out of 10 times you're adding value. You're working on earning that permission to take it a step further in and suggest something that might help them. Right. You're solving problems. That's what we do in sales. We solve problems. And Dean, would you also agree, because uh, this is what I teach people, but you're the marketing expert, uh, keep the word I out of your subject line and your body of your email as much as possible. Oh, yeah. I want an appointment. I want to show you how great we are. I want to do this. I, I, I mean, I get these all day long, and I'm sure you do too. And my response is always, I don't care what you want. That's right. You, know, you, you need to talk to a marketing expert. Or you right. need some sales training because I don't care what you want. Here's what I do care about. I care what I want. So you correct. need to speak to me. Am, am I correct in, in, in an email, especially the yeah. I needs to be left out. It's not, I, I found it impossible to keep it out a hundred percent, but as much as possible, it should be about them. Yes. Hugely spot on. If you gain nothing else from this conversation today, folks, and you want to send emails. Yes. Listen to that advice. That's very sage advice. Mm -hmm. I would also say, and I'll dovetail with that. In addition to stop making it about you, stop making ridiculous assumptions about who you're emailing especially when you're blanket emailing them. Don't claim to know what their pain is if you don't really know what their pain is. Don't claim that, that they have a problem if, they don't, if you don't know for certain that they have a problem. You have to be very careful what you're putting in your emails. You can ask them, 
You know, asking sales is all about asking. It's like, shut up and just ask and listen, right? So why do we do the opposite when we send emails and we vomit? Yeah, yeah. Right? So you're an expert, so I want to ask you this. Um, the way I teach salespeople to write a, uh, the body of an email is you should know what your customer's need or pain is and mention that. So an example would be in my world, because I, I often speak to vice presidents of sales. So if I was, if you were a vice president of sales and I wrote to you, hey, Dean, you know, in speaking with vice presidents of sales like yourself, a lot of them are telling me that they're having a real problem with their sales cycle being too long. Is that something that's going on for you? Is that what we're talking about here? But do you see what you did? And everybody write down that script of what he just gave you there. Because what he did was he didn't assume right away that that vice president has that problem. He's sharing what he sees. And then he's asking, hey, are you by any chance having this too? Are you experiencing this also? So he's coming across as caring, liking, right? Not salesy. That old stigma that we, that car salesman thing that people are still stuck on. Still I want to tell you why we're the greatest company in the world and why you right. should be using us. It's freaking not about you. Yep. It never has been, right? But when you come at it with the script that Jeff just gave you, you're coming at it from a space that, yes, if I have that problem, he's giving me permission to share that I have that problem. He's not telling me that I'm an idiot and I'm one of those bad VPs that has that have this problem. I'm one of the, the dumb ones. Well, Dean, I, Dean I'm, I actually use that as an example because I know that that is a problem that almost every VP of sales has, just right. like hiring great talent is, not closing enough businesses, not seeing enough. I mean, if you've done any type of sales or marketing for long enough, you should understand what the problems and challenges that your prospects face are. So I'm just kind of feeding them what I already know to be true. That's right. And that ties so heavily into- And I'm not assuming, by the way. Yes. I know that's the case. It ties right into that target market conversation from earlier. Yep. If you don't know your target market and you don't know what plagues them, good luck selling to them. You know, your, your, sales, your sales and your relationship will be transactional at best. If you're lucky enough to make a sale, it's transactional. Yeah. Is that what you want? Or do you want something where you're creating a relationship that you're going to work together with that prospect, that client for years? And whenever they need something, they turn to you. There's a reason why we used to say, oh, yeah, you want to be the trusted advisor. How few people in sales I see do that. How few, and it really is pathetic and sad. It's because it's not like that information hasn't been out there for 20, 30, 40 years. Yep. or longer. I've yep. read sales and, books from 100 years ago when they say that. Yeah, and there certainly are some sales that are transactional, but really in most cases, what we should be looking at is what's the lifetime value of a client? Oh. You know, one transaction, terrific. But, you know, it, it, in my world, I like, I like clients that stick around and use me time after time after time, year after year, because uh, to be frank, I don't like prospecting. I want to do as little of it as I possibly have to. And the longer clients stick with me, the less prospecting I have to do. And speaking of prospecting as we are, I want to ask you about something else because I'm looking at the clock and we're, I think I had about 80 questions for you and we've gotten about four so far. But, but um, another phrase we hear about a lot is content marketing. And it, it seems that people have different definitions of it. So how do we define content marketing and how can we use it effectively? Oh, huge rabbit hole. Uh -huh. <laughs> Well, we've got nine minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say that that's probably a conversation that we could have like a whole session on. But, but in a nutshell, the boil it down, 
content is critical. You've heard over the years, content is king, and it is. People, you got to give people an opportunity to get to know you. You can only be physically in front of so many people at any time, right? So the content you produce and you circulate out there gives people some insight into who you are, how you think, whether or not they resonate with you. They're ready. They're able to prejudge you because let's face it, we, we come from a society that is full of prejudgment. We just do. We've, we've always done that. We judge a book by its cover. You've heard all of those things. So if you want to, if you want to give people the opportunity to check you out and you should want them to check you out, let them find you. I tell people all the time, Google me, check me out, do your diligence. Don't just take my word for what I'm saying. Go check me out. See what other people are saying. See what you find about me. Look at what I'm writing. Look at what I'm speaking on, right? So content is all the things you're creating, whether it's, whether it's stuff you're writing, whether it's stuff you're speaking, all that is content. Right. And unfortunately, right now, we're in a we're in a place where the Internet is a glutton of content of content. There is an overwhelm of content. So the premise and this is a big, important one that if you're going to if you're going to approach using content marketing in your business and you should every business should every salesperson should. I want you to think about this little phrase. Focus on the fewer, better, fewer, better, fewer, better. Don't put out 5 billion articles and they're all garbage. You're better off having five that are great, that you keep updating and keep nurturing and keeping them relevant all the time. Fewer, better content in, from 2023 forward is what's going to win the game online. If you learn nothing from me today, learn that. If you focus on that glutton and you're just vomiting more crap, into what's going on out there, you will be just, you'll be in the sea of garbage. Is that what you want? Or do you want to stand out? Do you truly want to, to showcase what you're capable of? You want to showcase the fact that you have the ability to think, to be a thought leader, to solve problems. Well, then the few are better. Don't put out 25, you know, TikTok videos a day. Can you put out, one, that's better. Two, that's better. Three, that's better. So figure out wherever you're going to play. Wherever you're going to play, play hard. You can't play everywhere. We all want to be omnipresent, but it's not really possible. Right? Pick your platforms. And your platforms, part of it is, is should be based on where's your target market hanging out, right? So if your target market's on LinkedIn, you better be on LinkedIn. And you better be posting great content on LinkedIn. Now, how's Jeff doing that right now? Jeff's putting out tremendous podcasts. He's putting out tremendous valuable insight that any business owner that might hire Jeff can see this guy gets it. He's looking to add value. He's adding value. He's adding value. So when Jeff asks for something, he's more likely going to get a yes. Or you know what? You know, I haven't thought about it, Jeff, but you know what? Yeah, let's talk. You know what, Dean? Um, uh I actually don't even ask for people for their business on LinkedIn. And I get about 40 my, 40% of my business comes from LinkedIn because I am doing exactly what you're talking about, posting valuable content. 40% of my business right. comes from people reaching out to me saying, hey, I like your content. Can we talk about doing some coaching or training or you being our outsourced sales manager? And, and I, I mean, I consider LinkedIn to be the salesperson's best friend. And it's why I follow experts like Beth Granger and Bryn Tillman and, and Joe Applebaum. I mean, these... I know this much about LinkedIn. They know this much, and I'm sure you do too, because that's your world. But uh, LinkedIn can be the salesperson's best friend. And 
because I hate cold calling. So I, I love teaching people how to cold call. I just don't want to do it myself. And I often say, not jokingly, I'd rather live in my car than ever have to pick up the phone and cold call again, even though it's the way I originally built my business nine, almost 19 years ago. But posting valuable content in whatever uh, uh, outlet you're going to do it, I think is a great way to develop business. And you used another term that I love, which is thought leader. That's exactly yes. what I'm trying to do. I want people to think, Jeff knows what he's talking about because I want people to raise their hand rather than me have to reach out to them. And I still do that. I, I don't make calls. I, well, I do that once a month just to make sure that what I'm teaching people is actually working. But you know, I use email and I use LinkedIn right. I, I, referrals and networking extensively. We're almost out of time, but there is one more topic. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that this could take an entire hour also, but we've only got four minutes left. Um, I hope you remember quite a while ago, I think it was maybe 2009, you wrote a blog post titled, The One Guiding Principle That Will Explode Your Business in Any Economy. And that principle was, you remember what it was? Love. Exactly right. How do we show our prospects and clients to love? Oh, what a great question. It really has everything to do with, number one, choosing your target market properly. Right, because if you choose a target market that, again, I mentioned that you don't like, <laughs> it's hard to show them love. But if you, when you choose a target market that you you love and you enjoy being around, it becomes easier. It's like having friends in your life that you love. Every time you see them, it's like the greatest thing in the world. Versus every time you see that person, you can't stand them. Every time you see them, you're just like, oh man, they're here again. So, love is all about adding value. Love is all about how you're showing up. Love is all about willing to get on the playing field with them. Roll up the sleeves. Love is about looking at looking at things from a positive standpoint, saying, you know what, we're in this game together. You know, uh, love is about listening. Mm, great one. Right? More so than speaking. Yes, our words can be very calming and our words can be very empowering, but no one to shut up. How many times people just want to be heard, yeah. right? So love is what it's all about. That's the key to this whole game. You want more sales? Show more love. Love is love is way deeper than what a lot of people are so shallow with the thought of when they think of love, it's a, it's a sexual thing, you know, or I can't love this person because they're this and they're that. Love is about how you carry yourself. It's about how you behave. It's your willingness to be more and to show up bigger, right? And those right. people stand out. It's what Jeff is doing right here by putting this podcast. This, you think doing this podcast is easy? Do you think doing it takes no time? <laughs> Are you really that foolish? Jeff could be doing anything he wants with his time right now, but he's choosing to add value. Why? Because he loves what he's doing and who he's doing it for. And he's, He's found an outlet that allows him to express that love in a way that resonates with him and his audience. That's what works. That's great content marketing. So when you come from that space of love, your audience knows. They get it. They feel it. They sense it. And they respond in kind. And they typically will go out of their way to do whatever they need to do to be around you, to buy from you, to help you, to refer you. If you're not getting all of those things, check, check in here. What's going on? Yeah. Are yeah. you coming I, from a space of love? I think it's also important that, that or certainly that 
your, your prospects and clients can tell when you love what you do. And I love what you said about listening. Uh, it, it, it's such a great gift to give to people, the gift of listening to them. Uh, we, we could go on and on about this, but unfortunately we're out of time. Dean, I'm sharing my screen right now. Can you please tell people if they're interested in possibly working with you or just want to chat with you, how do they get in touch with you? Sure. The easiest place is go to deanmercado.com. From there, you can find links to everything and everywhere I am online. Um, deanmercado.com is my coaching, speaking business. Online Marketing Muscle is my sales and marketing automation agency. Um, I am on LinkedIn. I play hard on LinkedIn. I am on YouTube. I don't play as hard, but I'm there. You can see videos of me of, for, that go back decade or so, plus over a decade. Um, so, yeah, you could find me. I'm all over the internet. I would say... If you Google me, folks, there's not very many Dean Mercados on the planet. If you Google <laughs> me, I'm, you'll find me everywhere. Dean, right? one's enough for me. I think that's plenty of Dean Mercados. Would you like to maybe hold up your book for everybody to see it again so in case they're interested? Is sure, it, I'd be happy. Is it still available on Amazon? Yes, it is still available uh, on Amazon. I co-wrote this many years ago with, uh, with Barry Laub, um, another, uh, another great coach from years back. Uh, Barry's an awesome shout-out to Barry, awesome dude. Um, but yeah, we felt compelled to write that book. You can grab it on Amazon. Yeah. So. And it, uh, one of the things I love about the book, not just the content, uh, I, I love when a book is an easy read. It, it, it's, it's not something that makes you, that you have to sit and ponder. How, how would I use this? What does it make? It's like very, very straightforward. I love that. And Dean, I love you. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today and your, your, uh, your generous, generous sharing your information. Uh, I'll end as I do every week. Gang, please remember that sales is a game of making things happen. So please, Get out there and make sales happen. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks again, Dean. You bet. Thank you.